tis the season, right? The season to wear our sweats to church or our pajamas. I'm not much of a pajama guy, but this is about as close as I get um, appropriately anyway. Um, it's the season for gifts, for family, for good food, for hot beverages, for celebration. Though this season, much like last, um, has maybe been less than ideal and quite difficult for many of us. And as Jeff uh, mentioned on the Christmas Eve service, maybe it's a season where you feel like your reserves have been depleted. And life, this pandemic, this world just seems dark. Um, because it is. It is dark, both figuratively and quite literally, right? Seasonally, this is the darkest time of the year. And yet, ironically, in some cultures, it's referred to as the season of lights. Um, in Jewish tradition, they celebrate the festival of lights, Hanukkah, during this time. Here in the Western world, we put out all our Christmas lights that pierce the dark night and light up our streets and our living rooms. Christmas, at least in Canada, is also this, the season for sidewalk salt, the Christmas lights, and goodwill towards others. I want you to keep those three things in, in mind for this message, salt, and light and good deeds, because I think they are essential elements to live as people of hope in this dark world and in this particular dark season of life. Pastor Jeff um, highlighted in the Christmas Eve message the need for real hope amidst the darkness. Not a cheap or superficial kind of hope that is just a warm, fuzzy feeling, not a temporary hope that only comes and goes just as quick as our Christmas decorations do, but a lasting, real, deep hope. And as Christmas, um, sorry, as Christians, Christmas is the celebration of God himself becoming human, entering into our messy, broken, dark world to set things right, to shine a light, to show us who God really is, what it looks like to be truly human, and what it looks like to live in a healed relationship with God and with our fellow humans. And in the Gospel of John, it describes the Christmas story in this way. Talking about the arrival of Jesus, it says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Light is a major theme of Christmas. And it's actually a major theme throughout the scriptures. In the Bible, uh, light usually is referred to um, symbolizing truth, symbolizing goodness. It's at odds with darkness. It overcomes darkness, much like, um, much like truth overcomes lies, much like goodness overcomes evil. Let there be light is the first command that God utters into creation. And he says it's good. The walk, to walk according to God's laws and his decrees and his commands, the Psalms say, is to walk in light. In the prophet Isaiah, light pervades the whole prophet. And in that prophet, the Bible of, or, or the people of Israel are called to be a light to other nations. And then in the Gospel of John, Jesus comes to dwell among us, and he is called the light of the world, revealing to us what God is really like. A God so loving that he came to earth to be with us, 
to take on our suffering, our brokenness, and to break the vicious cycle of sin that we cannot get out of ourselves. Jesus laid down his life on the cross to accomplish this. And it is because of God's great love for his world that we are now offered life, forgiveness, freedom, healing, and right relationship with God and with our fellow humans, our neighbors. This is the greatest Christmas present ever. This is the ultimate light of the world. Our, our Advent candles, they say that this is the light of the world that brings hope and love and joy and peace as Jeff prayed through those themes. These, um, these past weeks of Advent, leading up to Christmas, prepare us and got us into the Christmas spirit, right? We wait with anticipation for the light of the world and it's this waiting period that gets us into the Christmas spirit. What do I mean by the Christmas spirit? Well, it's during this time of year where people tend to be a little bit more generous, right? Maybe they focus a little bit more on doing some charity work, on blessing the less fortunate. We tend to be a little bit more kind towards people during this season as well. And I don't know about you, but for me, um, right after December 25th, I tend to get a little, a little sad and a little blue. I sink a little bit. It's as if that Christmas spirit kind of dwindles a little bit after December 25th. We had all this anticipation and build up for Christmas. And after Christmas Day, we start to think about having to go back to work and school. We, have to, we start thinking about, oh, the tree has to come down eventually and the lights have to go back in the box. And the problem is that somehow when the Christmas lights go back in the box, sometimes so does our Christmas spirit. But as Jeff mentioned on Friday, we need real hope, lasting hope. And even more than us, the world who does not yet know the light of the world desperately needs real hope. So what if our Christmas spirit didn't have to be packed away in the garage with the Christmas lights? I know that we have to blow out the symbolic um, Advent candles and pack them up soon. But what if these wax candles are just a symbol, just a reminder that the churches around the world are meant to shine hope, love, joy, and peace into the world all year round? What if Jesus, the ultimate light of the world, says that's exactly who we are as a Jesus community? as the church. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the ultimate light of the world. But if we are people who are associated with the light of the world, what does that make us? Jesus actually tells us in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can open them up there. Uh, It'll also be on the screen. Um, The book of Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, and it's one of the four accounts of the life of Jesus that we have in the Bible. And in chapter 5, Jesus begins to preach his most famous sermon. It's believed that he preached it more than once, probably quite a lot throughout his ministry. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in it, he teaches people what it looks like 
when God is in charge. What it looks like for us to be citizens in God's kingdom. The crowds gathered and out of the crowds, it says Jesus began teaching his disciples. These are disciples and the crowds in first century Palestine. They were not independent. They were not well off. They were under Roman oppression. In fact, these followers of Jesus had left everything to follow Jesus. And if you rewind to the beginning of chapter 5, Jesus says to these people, you are blessed. These disciples come to Jesus and he says this to them. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Remember those three things I mentioned at the beginning. It's the season for sidewalk salt, Christmas lights, and goodwill or good deeds toward all humankind. Jesus tells his followers that their new identity is you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill. Notice what he doesn't say. Jesus does not say, gee guys, you guys are my followers, you ought to be the salt of the earth. He doesn't say that. Or you need to try harder to be the light of the world. See, because that's religion. Religion says you're not good enough, try harder. But Christianity is not religion in that sense. Jesus has a totally different starting point. He tells his followers, you already are the salt of the earth. You already are the light of the world. It has nothing to do with what you did or didn't do. You didn't earn it. But by your association with me, is what Jesus is saying, by your association with him, if you have placed your faith in him, following him however imperfectly we all do, guess what? This is who you are. Salt of the earth, light of the world. So let's look at those metaphors a little closer. What does salt do? It's casual Sunday. Shout out a couple things. What, what does salt do? Okay, flavor. Preserves. Yeah. Sidewalk salt keeps us from slipping and falling, right? It attracts wild game. Don't know if I have an application for that one right now, but I'm gonna think about that one. Salt is distinct from, from anything around it, right? But it influences things for good. It's a seasoning that permeates food and makes it tastier. We don't have our Christmas dinner and be like, oh, that salt was delicious. We say, no, that turkey was delicious. The seasoning made it delicious. Does our presence and our influence permeate the culture that we're in and make it better? 
Does our influence bring out the best in our relationships, in our school, in our workplaces? Salt, um, somebody mentioned, is a preservative. Before the age of refrigeration and freezers, right, people would rub meat heavily with salt to keep it from decaying. And there are a lot of relationships in decay in this world, are there not? Relationships that are in decay because of division, because of sin, division over politics, maybe perspectives on health mandates, maybe division fueled by by social media outlets that we follow. Any number of things decay and divide and corrupt relationships. As the Jesus community, do we preserve relationships that would otherwise decay because of division, because of differences? Salt is a healing agent, um, Carrie mentioned. Again, before the time of rubbing alcohol and peroxide, people used salt to put on wounds, and it can sting like crazy, but it cleans, it disinfects, it keeps a wound from getting worse, from, from getting infected. And as you think about the world we live in, there is a lot of woundedness, wounded relationships again, um, mental and physical health struggles that individuals experience, that we all experience. There's economic struggles, homelessness, all sorts of injustices in our spheres right here at home and in the broader community and in the world. As salt, Christians are healing agents in the world, quick to forgive, slow to anger, a people who are to love mercy, do justice, and walk humbly with our God, Micah 6.8. And in Canada, as, as I mentioned, we have another use for salt, which ironically is meant to be trampled underfoot. Um, don't get confused. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying when he says unsalty salt is useless. Uh, I don't think they had much use for sidewalk salt in first century Palestine. But sidewalk salt, right? Sidewalk salt benefits everyone who walks on it. When, when Jeff or I spread the sidewalk salt outside the church uh, sidewalk, it doesn't just benefit us, it benefits anyone who walks on it. As Christians, when we spread our time Think about it as spreading salt. As we spread our time and our energy and our money, are they benefiting the common good? Are they benefiting our communities? The metaphor about salt is all about influence. The influence of salt is that it seasons, it preserves, it heals, and it benefits others. And according to Jesus, that is who we are, not who we should be or, or ought to be, but he says, that's who you are. And then read that next bit, not as a religious condescension that says, you need to perform better in order to be salt. Rather, it's reversed. Jesus says, you are salt. In other words, you, your influence as a Jesus follower is distinctive. And it is good. Don't lose who you are. Don't lose that distinctiveness and that good influence by being corrupted by the world around you. Salt influences it. The darkness does not influence it, right? It's, it's vice versa. The next identity marker Jesus gives is in verse 14. Jesus tells his disciples, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill. 
I had a hard time with this verse because I thought immediately, I'm like, wait, doesn't that sound a little blasphemous? Like, after all, Jesus is the light of the world, so how can, how can we be the light of the world? And um, Tim Mackey from, from the Bible Project, he traces this wonderfully through the Gospels and, and has a great explanation. He says, when Jesus was about to ascend into heaven after his resurrection, he told his disciples that it was better for him that he went and returned to his father. They didn't understand it at the time. They were like, no, we don't want you to leave Jesus. Like, you are our leader. You are our light. Why would you leave us? He says, it's actually better that I go and be with my father because only then will the father send his Holy Spirit. And you may ask, well, how is that better? See, Jesus was only one person who could only be at one place at a time. But after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, God would now send his Holy Spirit to indwell each and every follower of Jesus. That is amazing. Think about that for a moment. The same Spirit that had the power to raise Jesus from the dead, that Spirit, that power, that light, now indwells each and every Christian. Isn't that awesome? We are not God. Jesus is still the ultimate light of the world, but God gifts each and every believer his Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus can say to his followers, it's gonna be your turn now. You're the light of the world. Because you now carry Christ with you. What is light? Like salt, light is distinctive. It's noticeable. It stands out. A little light goes a long way. For the first time, we put up Christmas lights on the exterior of our house, and I bought these little lights, and I thought, oh, they're going to be too small. They're not going to shine. But I put them on during the daytime. I'm like, oh, these are not very good lights. But after sunset, when it was dark, I could see those lights from four blocks away. <laughs> it stands out. Light is inviting and ex- it exposes what is hidden and that's not always comfortable. But it also reveals what is true. Light offers hope, that deep hope of Christmas that we all need. And this next part is interesting because it sounds like Jesus has two metaphors. He says, you're the light of the world, a city on a hill. Is he meaning two different things? No, commentators think he's actually, that's one metaphor. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, um, a pastor and theologian in Germany during World War II, he says that the church is to be a visible community. Think about that for his context in Nazi Germany a visible community. One Christian is not a city. It takes an entire community to be a city. Um, Timothy Keller, he says that God reveals who he is, first and foremost, through Jesus, the ultimate light of the world. But the second way in which God reveals himself to the world is through the church. Not a building, not just a gathering of individuals, But we, as a Jesus-centered community, are called a city on a hill. 
And this is really important for us because we live in a highly, highly individualized culture. Keller continues, he says, there's a really common misconception in North America that we can be perfectly healthy and mature Christians on our own. But this passage disagrees with that. One Christian is not a city. If we are the light of the world, we are only light as a church community, as a Jesus community. Why why is this so? Why must this be so? He says that there's an American lie that says you are primarily the product of your individual choices. Keller calls that a lie. He says, rather, you are primarily a product of your community. Community, think about it, the family you grew up in, the school that you went to, the friends you had growing up, the people at work that surround you, all of those communities have massive influence on the people that we've become. Both for good and for bad. And so if we want Jesus to really transform who we are, if you really want the gospel to do what, is it, what it is intended to do, which is to heal relationships between you and God and between you and others, how are you going to do that apart from community? Community has shaped who you have become, and it's by being in intentional community that God transforms us. Being part of this city on a hill transforms us, and it shines bright into the dark world. But what does it mean? What does it mean to be part of an intentional Jesus community? Um, Keller goes on to note that there's a difference between a club and a community. He says, if you only surround yourself with people who have the same interests as you, the same end-time theology as you, the same political views, follow the same social media influencers, read the same books, well, that's not really being a community or city, that's forming a club. Nothing against club, clubs are great. But he says clubs are not going to be transformational, maybe to a degree, but they are not a city on a hill. But being part of a city is different. Any city has diversity of people, people of different cultural backgrounds, different perspectives on life, on politics, on uh, people from different income, different education levels. And all this is true for the church as well. When a very diverse group of people serve one another, love one another, learn together and from one another, and live in peace with one another while serving the common good in the community that they're located, that's going to be hope. That's going to be a beacon of light. That is going to be distinct and visible. That's going to be compelling for the the world that is watching. How can these people who are so different serve together, love one another, worship together, do life together. Stanley Hauerwas, um, an Anabaptist theologian, he says, the church is supposed to be a countercultural society. It is an alternative society, but it's still within the greater society. 
He says we don't withdraw from society as a whole. That would be hiding our light. That would be hiding the light under a bushel. No, we are cities on a hill, highly visible to the watching world. And every church community in every town and city in the world are like a city on a hill. We are like embassies of God's kingdom. We are people who are living as God's kingdom people, but within the kingdom of the world. We are people learning what it means, imperfectly, but learning what it means to live as a Jesus community, right smack dab in the middle of a dark world. And we can only do that when we rub shoulders with one another. So friends of Nelson Covenant, would we move into the darkness of our world, being who Christ has already made us to be, salt of the earth, which influences everything for better. And likewise, would we let the light we've received from Jesus shine into the world that desperately needs light? We know where hope is found. We have encountered the ultimate light of the world, and that light has now made us a city on a hill so that more people would find this deep, true hope that we have and that the world so desperately needs. So how do we live this out? How do we live out our identity as salt and light? Verse 16 says, by your good deeds. And these are not meant to pump up your own tires to glorify yourself, but your good deeds are to point others towards God. This God who loves them, who offers hope and healing and forgiveness. What do these good deeds look like? Well, that's the homework that I'm going to give you to read this afternoon. Read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew's chapter five to seven. And in it, Jesus irons out what these good deeds of being salt and a community of light looks like. And my prayer is that as we move into the new year and as we put out um, our our decorative lights back in the box, that we would not put our Christmas spirit away with them. Rather, would our world see that the Advent candles of hope, joy, peace, and love continue to shine brightly year-round in these Jesus communities all over the world. Amen. I'd like to show uh, just a short video. Uh, it's just a powerful illustration